0: Hey, what's up, my friend? Graham Baldwin here. Welcome back to the Speaker Lab podcast. We are so glad you're here. Really do appreciate you joining us. And you know what? I I hear from people regularly who say, hey, I listen to the podcast on a weekly basis. Or people who say, hey, I just discovered you. I've gone back and I've been binge listening, just like, I don't know, Netflix-style binge, going through episode after episode. And so I just want you to know how much I appreciate you listening and and our team appreciates you tuning in. We put a lot of work into these episodes and want to make sure that we're, we're helping, supporting, providing value for speakers like yourself. We know that we have new speakers and veteran speakers and everything in between all different industries and and literally uh, speakers from all over the world. So wherever you are, wherever you're at in your career, We really do appreciate you being here, really do appreciate you joining us. So let's get right into it. All right. So today, we once again, for week three, we're going to be having our co-host, Miss Melanie Diesel, back joining us once again. Melanie is is a a coach with the Speaker Lab, does a lot of speaking on her own as well. Very, very successful speaker and just a very, very knowledgeable. And so we we have a lot that we get into today. Today, we are talking all about systems, systems, systems. Now, this is the type of thing that can be boring, but it's also the type of thing that is extremely important for speakers and speakers tend to say, hey, I I like being a speaker and and I don't really care about the system stuff or I don't care about the business stuff. I just want to speak. And listen, I I totally get that. I I know that you just want to speak, but you got to pay attention to the systems. You got to have systems in place that make your job and make the client's role and then their work with you much, much simpler and smoother. So ultimately, like just being a speaker, it means a lot of paperwork. It means a lot of logistics. And so you want to have systems to track all the moving parts, especially if you're doing this on your own. Now, we may touch on, you know, having a a VA that can help you, but ultimately you still need systems in place. The worst thing is to find out that you should have been tracking something and that you didn't. So we're going to talk about outreach and contracts and invoices and travel and calendars and expenses and income and all of that different stuff. So we we have a lot of systems that we're going to get into today. So let's jump right into it. Uh, A conversation between myself and Miss Melanie Diesel. Enjoy. What's up, my friends? Graham Baldwin here. Once again, joined by Miss Melanie Diesel, my uh, lovely co-host. And today we are digging into speaker systems, everything that you need to know to stay organized. One of the things that uh, a lot of speakers, I know, I'm curious about you, Melanie, if you find this, but a lot of speakers I know, they love being on stage. They love the speaking part, but they suck at the behind the scenes stuff and running the business stuff. And that stuff really makes a huge difference. It matters for just your organization, your stress level, your CPA, your tax, all of those things, even just the experience that the client has can have a huge impact on whether or not you've got systems in place. So I remember I had a mentor early on who told me when you have like something that's hot, you want to sip it, S-I-P, systems in place. Otherwise, it burns you and makes a mess. Mm. And so you like that? That's good, huh? I like it. For a coffee addict like yourself, I figure mm-hmm. you'd would, you would appreciate it as you slurp your coffee down. So speaker systems. I mean, the reality is like being a speaker, it means it's a lot of paperwork. It's a lot of logistics. It's a lot to keep track of a lot of moving parts, especially if you're doing this on your own. So what we want to do is we want to really dig into things related to outreach, to contracts, to invoices, travel, calendar expenses, like all these just little things that I kind of personally geek out on. But a lot of people are like this stuff's annoying. This is stupid, but stuff you got, you got to know, right?
1: Yeah, it's important. It saves you so much stress. And you know, the hope here is like some of this stuff. I don't know about you. Some of this stuff I had to learn the hard way. So yeah. maybe we can save you all from realizing that you needed to be tracking or systematizing these things until it's too late. Because, you know, when you're trying to get your taxes done or something is the la- the worst possible time to find out that you should have been tracking. Something I need a system
0: for this. Now, are you like <laughs> naturally a pretty organized person? Like the systems pretty, come pretty easy for you?
1: I would say I'm a freakishly organized person. That's yeah. Good. All right. For sure.
0: <laughs> and you we were talking a little bit beforehand, you have post it notes everywhere of yes. just like just a thought pops in, you write it down.
1: It depends it on, on the po- system. Yeah, it depends on the system. Uh See, I didn't do that on purpose. But yes, post-it notes for me are usually for an idea that needs to be arranged. And I use the post-its to say, well, is there a hierarchy? Are these things grouped together? So if I have a lot of things that need to be arranged, I go with post-its. But for most of these things that we're going to talk through, I mean, we're going to talk through outreach, contracts, invoices, travel, calendar, and expenses for most of these things. There are systems and tools that already exist out there, free yeah. and paid, that you can be leveraging. And you can also create your own systems, whether it's Post-its or folders or whatever it is that floats your boat. The most important thing is that you have a system and you use it, not necessarily that you choose one of the systems we're going to tell you about.
0: And the thought there is, have you seen that movie, The Founder, the kind of semi-documentary thing about McDonald's?
1: No. But it's on, on so. my list. It's in my queue.
0: Okay. All right. All right. All right. So it's very interesting. Very good. It's <laughs> Almost a little depressing, but part of what's interesting about McDonald's is they are very, very meticulous on their systems, and so it, it removes all the guesswork. We do it this way every single time, and it's not there's no subjectivity to it, and you just know there's this process to it, and there's this easy flow that goes along with it. So having the systems in place removes some of the stress, removes some of the anxiety of you just know this happens, and then this happens, and this happens, and this happens, and it's just you're not trying to reinvent the wheel every time you come into that that situation or circumstance. So let's dig in here. Where do you want to start?
1: Let we start with outreach.
0: All right. What do you do for that? that?
1: That's sort of the early part, right? I yeah, mean, we, got, we, got
0: to, like, we got to book a gig first.
1: Yeah, yeah, you got to get some gigs before you have gigs to track, obviously. So you start with outreach. There's a lot of different ways that people handle this. We, especially, you know, through the program and books and Paid to Speak, we walk people through setting up a system, a CRM. We recommend HubSpot. I personally have been a spreadsheet person. I'm a spreadsheet person in general. So I know, I think you and I have actually talked about this on a podcast before my whole spreadsheet system for how I reach out and categorize gigs and how I follow up with people. But why don't you talk about HubSpot a little bit, because that's the one that, that most of we recommend for students.
0: Yeah. There's a lot of variations and versions of HubSpot, but they have a free CRM, which is a CRM. Don't be distracted by customer relationship management. I believe so. Because there's also CMS. Customer management system?
1: C- CMS is content management system, at least in my world.
0: Whatever. There are all these silly acronyms. <laughs> the bottom line, though, is you need some type of system in order to, when you reach out to people, of especially being able to follow up with them and being systematic about that. So one of the failures that we see with a lot of speakers is that, let's say you find a potential client and you reach out to them and they say, hey, circle back with me in June, we'll be reviewing speakers, circle back with me two, three months from now. Well, like most speakers are like, all right, cool. I hope you think of me in June. And like, they're just not going to. But if you say, cool, I'm going to follow up with you in June and I have a system in place in order to do that, a CRM is basically what allows you to do that. So instead of you constantly carrying around for the next few months of, oh, crap, I'm supposed to be following up with someone right now, I write it down, I put it into a system and there's something that reminds me, just kind of pings me that I need to do this at that certain point. So I'm not trying to think between now and June. Don't forget, don't forget, don't forget, don't forget. I put it in the system. It's there in the system. It's out of sight, out of mind. So HubSpot is a free CRM. Another one that I've used before is Highrise, which is from a company that creates Basecamp, the guys that are formerly known as 37signals. As Another one that if you want just something simple is there's two tools, one that I use called followup.cc. Followup.cc is the site. And basically you can, whenever you're sending an email in the BCC, the blind carbon copy line, the field there, you can put in an email address specific to when you want to be reminded. So what you could do is, let's say I want to be reminded three months from now. Then what I would do is I'd put in three months at followup.cc and it would remind me in three months it would ping me back in my email inbox so you could do that as a simple way too if you don't want to dig into like a a big fancy crm there's another one called boomerang which basically does the same thing uh, that just reminds you and kind of pings you so again it's not this thing that's kind of you're just you're trying to mentally keep track of but you're 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 freeing up some of that mental headspace by having a system in place for uh, these times where you need to be uh you need reminders
1: this is what we just talked about. You know, you don't have to use one of these systems. You just need to have a system that works for you. So you may find that there's already a tool in your life to keep track of reminders, to remind you to do things. It's totally okay to retrofit whatever system you're using. If you're already comfortable, if you've already got things logged in there, by all means integrate it. So for me, I use a tool called Todoist. It's to-do list with no L to track all of my reminders. So I was already using this to remind me to send birthday cards to people, to place orders for things, to make sure my rent and other assorted bills are paid on their specific dates. So it made sense for me to use Todoist as a system to remind me to follow up with people. So what I do is when I send an email, I just copy the URL of my email. I paste it into an email follow-up task that I've created, you know, a project I've created in Todoist, and I put in a date. And then on that date, I get a reminder that says, follow up with grant today. I click the link, it goes right to the email so I can hit reply. So it's a little bit more of a manual system, but it allowed me to work it into what I was already doing. So yeah, any of these tools that we've mentioned or whatever system you may have for reminders, is it, you know, as long as you integrate your outreach into that, we will make sure you're able to, to follow up with folks and, and not get forgotten.
0: Yeah. And to that point though, like, like, I think it's easy. I don't know about you. Do you have like shiny object syndrome when it comes to tools? Like you just like yeah. using tools just for the sake of using tools, right? Yes. And it's really easy to be distracted by those things. And some tools are great. And some are just truly a distraction when I know for both of us early on, like we just use spreadsheets, like spreadsheets work really, really well. In fact, I was, I was talking with a, um, a friend the other day, who runs a multi-million dollar company. And I was asking him, Hey, how do you track this one specific thing in your business? Thinking like he's going to tell me some fancy system. And he's like, you know what? Most things we track in our business, we still do on a Google spreadsheet because it just works. Right. And so it's just, yeah. it's not complicated. So you can absolutely do that. Just the point is have a system and figure out what works and what makes sense for you. It doesn't have to make sense to other speakers. It doesn't have to make sense to other people, but you have to have a system that works for you so that everything has its place. So anything else as it relates to how that outreach system and a follow-up system?
1: I don't think so. I know we talked a little bit back in episode 21, way Which back an in the eternity day. eternity ago. I know, about how to follow up on speaking leads. So if you want to dig more into that, go check out episode 21 and figure out more about how to follow up on those leads.
0: Cool. Sounds good. All right, let's talk about, let's say you've been following up and let's say you book something, all right? That's the fun yeah. part. And you've got a, uh, you've got a contract in play. Are you ready to get them a contract. What do you use for that? Just kind of tracking some of the details that go along with the, an event.
1: Yeah, this can get super complicated when it comes to contracts. So we're not going to give you advice on how to actually make the contract. That is, you know, we've had other episodes on that episode six, what do we include in the speaker contract? And you and I did episode one seventy one. what mm-hmm. to know before you sign a contract, but you've got to keep track of these things somewhere. So for me, I use a, I have a system of folders, right? Like digital folders on my computer, I have the event name, I categorize the subfolders by months, and I keep all the pre-signed versions and the post-signed, so, you know, mm-hmm. draft and completed there. And this is super important because it allows me to go back and check things, you know, if you need to say, you know, I, I know I did this event last year, you know, right. maybe it had a different name, but you could probably remember about when it happened. So that is the easiest way for me to find it. my monthly folders. But you mentioned the spreadsheet, and I do keep all of my confirmed gigs, so all the gigs that I have confirmed to speak at. I do keep a spreadsheet of those, right, so I can keep track of all the various details. And one of the columns in that spreadsheet is whether the contract is needed, sent, signed, or saved. So I'm keeping track, you know, do I need to make this contract? Have, has it already been sent? Have I, Has it been fully signed? And is it properly filed in the right place? So that allows me to, to keep track of that pretty easily. But uh, what do you do in terms of keeping track of all the contracts on your side?
0: We do basically the same thing of what you described there within Dropbox. And so just kind of a shared folder system basically. And so what we do is the same thing you described, each event has its own folder. It's categorized by month, categorized by year. And so that way I can go back, you know, if you said, hey, find this event from 2011, I can go back and I've got all the details for that specific event, including the actual contract and then the signed contract as well. In terms of the actual contract, so we've done both. Like one thing we've done before is actually just mail, uh, or we would send them like a PDF version of the contract. And so sometimes they would actually physically mail it back to us, or sometimes they would sign it and scan it and send it back. One thing that we try to do is I, personally, I just try to keep as few papers around as possible. So try to keep as much things digitally. A lot of it kept in Dropbox. One app that I use for this is an app called Tiny Scanner that you just, that take, you just tape, take-, uh, take a picture from your phone and it turns it into a PDF. I use this all the time all the time. So tiny scan, there's a lot of those scanning apps, but that way. Um, so we used to have like an actual physical scanner that would use like super old school ghetto. And, uh, but now just take a picture, turns it into a PDF. So we do that a lot of times with contracts as well. But then again, those are all saved in Dropbox. And to your point there, we also do a, um, a spreadsheet each year with just uh, all the detail in terms of like, you know, the date of the event, who's the contact, what the, you know, the name of the event. The other thing that we kind of track that's kind of just a little fun, silly thing is we track uh, the number of people that were at the event. So I can kind of total at the end of the year. All right, this year we spoke at 50,000 people or whatever. It's just kind of a cool end of the year thing. So we keep track of all those details in a kind of one master spreadsheet on a year by year basis. And on terms of the actual contracts, there's also some tools like uh, like HelloSign, DocuSign. Some of those where you can get people to actually sign the thing with them not having to actually physically sign anything or send anything or mail anything. So those would be worth looking into as well. Do you still just send a, a PDF, or do you use any of those DocuSign, HelloSigns?
1: Mm-hmm. I use mostly PDFs for mine. um, And I sign most of my contracts via PDF as well. If you happen to be on a Mac, there's a really cool feature in preview, which is like how, you know, the system you'd open to just look at any PDF, you can actually create an actual signature, you know, you, you would use your touchpad to create a signature, so that when you hit sign, it's actually your signature. It's not just like, you know, a scripty font of your name, but it's your actual signature. So I usually use that for signing all, all my contracts digitally and not having to keep too many papers around either.
0: My favorite thing to do lately with my daughters is when I'm checking out somewhere at a store and you have to sign the credit card statement. It's just like doodles and smiley faces and they just think it's hilarious. I heard like a uh, a Planet Money episode on that a podcast on whether or not it's even a, like what that even means? What do you have? Do you really have to do that? So that's a totally different thing. I don't want to derail us. But again, just like Melanie, like you mentioned, episode six, and episode 171, we talked more in depth on what those contracts should include, what you need to know before signing a contract. So definitely go back and listen to those. All right, so let's dig into financials for a second here. Let's talk about um, invoices, income, Let's talk about expenses as well. So what do you use to keep track of all of the money? What's coming in? What's going out?
1: Yeah, because hopefully if we're getting all these contracts in, we're going to get some money coming in soon too, right? (laughs) Hypothetically. But you got to keep track of that. So I use a system called FreshBooks for my invoices. As we've said with each of the other categories, right? Like there are many systems out there. FreshBooks is one that I found that I liked and I found it easy to use. And so I've stuck with it. I use a combination of FreshBooks and obviously a spreadsheet. Big surprise, right? Freshbook system allows me to send and receive invoices. It, it, I find it easy because it also offers online payments. So I don't have to be emailing back and forth. Here's the bank info. Here's the wire numbers. Like none of that. They can just make payments right through the system. And it also has automated reminders, right? We're talking about systematizing things. FreshBooks will alert me, hey, this invoice hasn't been paid in 30 days. Should we send an automatic follow-up? Yes, by all means, save me the trouble, right? So I like that element of it. But there are other systems too. Granted, there are others that you use. I don't think you use FreshBooks, right?
0: No, we don't use FreshBooks. In terms of just our accounting, we use a program called Zero. X-E-R-O, X-E-R-O, zero. Uh, We've used QuickBooks online in the past. Both of those are fine. Again, it's kind of like, you know, there's a lot of different accounting software tools that you can use. You can go super old school and just use a spreadsheet if you want. But again, then it's important to really, really track how much is coming in and how much is going out. So one thing I know that I remember a buddy said one time, it's not how much you make, it's how much you take. Meaning that let's say... I heard this from a a news speaker recently who booked an event and was super excited and they forgot to really talk about travel expenses. So they ended up having to eat a lot of the travel costs. So even though like on paper, it's like, oh, cool, I got paid X amount to go speak. Like actually they lost money, right? So you have to have a system for tracking those. So you know, again, how much is coming in going out. And so again, we use zero, but that, you know, there's plenty of different tools that work for that. The thing I would say on that is we covered this in a previous episode on taxes. Episode 33 is one that where we talked about paying your taxes. But one thing that is also important as it relates to especially income is being really, really disciplined to set aside money for taxes. So at, we won't give into the nuts and bolts of it, but like the nutshell is as an entrepreneur, as a self employed human, you have to pay a good chunk of the money to the government. And so when that money comes in, you're not keeping 100% of that. So what we do is we take a percent of every two weeks, just internally, we do a payroll for the company, and we take out I think 20 or 25% that we set aside for our taxes. And then once a quarter, we basically drain that account. It's a totally separate account that all of that goes into. And then we just drain that and pay that back to the government. So there's episode 119. We interviewed Mike McAlowitz. He wrote a book called Profit First. Have you read Profit First? I haven't. It's a great book. In that episode, we don't talk at all about the book. I don't think may have been mentioned, but the book is really, really good in terms of just creating a good system for money comes in and what do I do with that money? So again, Profit First is the book. And if you want to just learn more about Mike, episode 119 is a great one. He actually has a, a podcast called Profit First that I was a guest on a while back. So I don't, I don't happen to have the, the number on that, but you can, go, you can go Google it. So yeah. Anything else on, on income there?
1: I think one of the last things to note is whatever system you are using to track your speaking income and send your speaking invoices, make sure that it's hooked up to whatever else you're using for any other income you have too, right? This is not in a silo. So if you have a full-time job, you have other side hustles, you're coaching, consulting, doing affiliate marketing, all of these things you need to integrate your systems because like we just talked about, the taxes are going to get real complicated if you've got a bunch of different systems and things are not talking to each other. And I just want to note that The system by which you're tracking all of your different clients who you send invoices to and who pay you is a great place to make a mental checklist or a real checklist, right? We're talking about systems of the 1099s that you need to receive, right? Mm -hmm. So if you are a contract employee, you get money not at aw 2 we're not going to go into it in super depth, but oftentimes you will find that some of these smaller companies who are bringing you in or, you know, smaller events, they might not think of it and you need that information to file your taxes. So it's great to have that list of these are all the people who have paid me. So you can go back at the end of the year and say, okay, three of these folks forgot to send me, you know, a 1099 for my my tax purposes. I'll make sure to follow up with them. Having it all in place will be super helpful. Your CPA will thank you.
0: Yeah, very much so. One other thing I'd mention is inside of our training program, Booked and Paid to Speak, we actually have an event checklist of things that we do before, during, and after an event. And one of those things is making sure that you've got the contract back and that you've received the deposit. Because it's one thing to keep track. Of it when you've got, you know, two or three events going, but if you're doing 30, 40, 50, 60, 100 gigs per year, there's a lot of overlap there, and that's a lot of, of balls that you're trying to juggle and keep up in the air. So, so having again a system, so we have we give you that checklist inside the program, so it removes some of that uh, that guesswork there. So, all right, so that's on the income side of the ledger. Let's go to the other and let's go to the expenses side of the ledger. Do you use is Freshbooks just for invoicing, or do you use it for like full scale? accounting purposes?
1: So it's actually full scale. I mean, I'm sure that I'm not using all the capabilities that it has, but what what I am able to do is I can actually hook up my business credit card. So any of the charges I'm making to book travel, to buy new business cards, whatever it is that I'm doing on that business credit card is automatically imported into FreshBooks. And then I can drag that to an invoice. I can create reimbursements and all of that. So it is really helpful for that. It also has a receipt uploader capability where you just take a picture of a receipt for any of those expenses, yeah. make sure it's paired, which as we mentioned, sometimes folks want to have those receipts for reimbursement. So being able to log it all together is super easy. But I actually use, believe it or not, a spreadsheet. Ta-da. I have a spreadsheet. <laughs> I have a spreadsheet for deductible expenses and, you know, tax deductible expenses, as well as expenses that need to be reimbursed. And I also will just flag them in my email inbox. A lot of the receipts I get are digital, you know, especially for car services or online ads, you know, any of the things that I'm I'm buying for my business. I'm getting digital receipts. So I'm just filing those into a folder and labeling them so that I can come back and check them out at the appropriate time. Yeah. What do you guys
0: Well, and again, I'm not a. uh, Neither of us are tax professionals. None of this is is tax (laughs) legal advice, so take it for what it is. But one thing that is really important is that you make sure you keep your personal and your business expenses and income separate. So we have a separate checking account for personal for my wife and I, and we have a separate checking account for the business. We have separate savings accounts. So everything is kept separate. Just because we have money in the business doesn't necessarily mean that all of a sudden we have money in our personal. It's not Grant's piggy bank. So It stays over there for the business. I take out a salary like a lot of the rest of the team. So making sure that you're keeping those things very, very separate. So whenever we are using and having separate, you know, we have a separate card for each one. So if we are, you know, if I'm going on a a speaking trip and I wanna make sure that I'm that expense is connected to the business, Uh, the other side of it is for deductions. And so if you're doing anything related to the business, travel or otherwise, that can be deducted from your taxes, you wanna make sure that you have a clean system them in place. So again, for us, we use zero. That's just what our, our bookkeeper and our accountant, our CPA happens to use. Again, pros and cons with all of them there. But that's what we use, so that by the end of the year, it makes it a lot easier to do our, our taxes because everything's already been kept up throughout the year. Instead of I get to the end of the year and I just have a pile, I have a shoebox of receipts, and what do I do with them now? You don't want to be in, in in that type of situation. So yeah, all types of things that can be deducted. So your travel expenses, you know, any type of business equipment. You mentioned like business cards, even professional trainings, like like booked and paid to speak. Our training program is a business tax deduction. All right. So <laughs> your CPA will uh, will thank you. For them. So also in episode 72, we did a, a podcast interview with my personal CPA and the one that does our, our business taxes, Josh Bowerly. So I encourage you to go back and listen to that one. He also talks about uh, one question we get a lot is should I be a sole proprietor or an S corp or an LLC or just tax status or business structure. And so we get into that again in, in uh, episode 72. So that would be worth going to listen to. And then like the one we mentioned, episode 33 on paying your your taxes, right? So that's the uh, expense side of it. Let's talk about travel. All right. So you've booked the gig and you got to get there. Now we just did an episode on this uh, a couple of weeks ago, episode 185. So would encourage people to go back and listen to that. Uh, We mentioned a couple tools on that, but what, what tools do you use?
1: Back in that episode, we talked more at length, but TripIt is the tool that I use to keep track of all my travel stuff, right? So it, it imports all of my tickets, booking, boarding passes reservations, everything into one system and gives me trip by trip itineraries with all the details I need. So that is amazing. It saves my life. I also, I have an elaborate calendar system, which we'll talk about in a little bit. That's kind of our our last category here, but I also make sure that all of my travel goes onto my Google calendar so that I can keep track of everything as well. But TripIt is pretty much, pretty much it for me. You mentioned a cool system for tracking your, your travel rewards in that episode, too. That was Award Wallet, right?
0: Yeah. One other thing I was going to mention on TripIt was that it makes it really easy for sharing your itineraries with other people. So, in my case, you know, sharing it with my spouse or if our families, we use TripIt even for just personal travel. So, a lot mm-hmm. of times if we're going somewhere, my mom's like, hey, I want to know what your flight is, you know, the, the typical mom thing like, where are you yep. going? When are you going de- to get time? there? All that stuff. So, just having a link within TripIt. That I can share with them, or a client may just need to know some of those details. That you can just instead of like trying to put some email together, or let me forward you my itinerary. No, no, here's a link that has all the details that you would you would need to know. So that makes it a little simpler. Yeah. So the other tool that we use a lot is called Award Wallet. Award Wallet. I think it's AwardWallet.com it's a free tool. And then there's also an app that goes along with it. And basically, it tracks all of your reward numbers. So if you have, we both would recommend that you have reward numbers with all of them, whether you're using uh, for hotels, for airlines, for rental cars, for cruises, I have an Amtrak, I've been on Amtrak twice in my life, but I've got a rewards number with them. Because all that stuff just accumulates, right? And so it, it adds up. And so it, whether it's, it's status or points or rewards or whatever. So having a central place where you keep all of your numbers, All right. So I've got all of them for myself, all of them for my wife, all of them for our kids, all of those have we've got reward numbers for everybody. So having those in one central place makes it simple. So award wallet is the, the tool that we use for that.
1: I feel like the the travel tracking is so closely tied to calendar tracking, which is the last thing we want to spend some time on. I know I nerd out about this stuff, right? Like my calendar, I live and die by my calendar. Like this is, it's determines my day every single day. So, I hear that you have an elaborate color coding system.
0: I do. It's um, it's a little ridiculous. It's a little out of control. In fact, I was talking with someone on our team the other day like, hey, I need to pare this down a little bit. Everything is color coded. And so doing a podcast recording like right now has its own color. A certain type right. of interview has a color. A certain type of meeting has a color. A certain type of webinar has a color. All these things have colors, right? The other thing that we do specifically for speaking is there's different types of color codes that we use for our events. So what we do is we have different two different types of holds that we use. And so one of them would be what we would call like an internal hold, meaning somebody, a client hasn't technically asked us to hold the date, but it seemed like there's a decent chance we're gonna get this gig, or this is a gig that I'd really like to get if possible, so I'm going to mark it on my calendar. So if something that does come up that's conflicts with that date, I'm at least reminded like, oh crap, that's the same date as you know, this other thing I really want to do. So it's just kind of an internal hold. The other color that we have is a client requested hold. So they haven't actually booked it. Nothing's finalized, nothing's firm, but we've talked with them and they say, hey, can you go ahead and pencil this in for this date? So we'll have that as a hold. Then what we do is we have the event as no longer like it's still kind of I guess like somewhat pending. We are waiting for the contract and waiting for the deposit. So it's just kind of an appending status. We've have a verbal agreement, we're on board with this, this is going to happen. And so we have we changed the color on that. And then we have a final color is a confirmed gig. So verbally, we've agreed, we've got the contract, we've got the deposit, we're all on the same page. And so that's changed as well. And so again, it's easy to look through and it sounds like a lot, but it's easy to look through the calendar and just from a color glance, to kind of see what's going on, and making sure that you've got a system for everything and and what color should be. So do you do color coding as well?
1: I do. Mine's a little bit simpler. So maybe this will help as you're paring it down. Okay, good.
0: I need to know this. uh,
1: What I thought about when I was doing my color coding is more, what do I need to be prepared for? Like, what do I need to know about it? Because I'm going to open the calendar invite and look at all the details. So basically my categories are, I use one color for internal things, right? Like times I'm time I'm earmarking for myself that no one else is dependent on this is my, I'm saying I'm going to read or do this or work on this. Right. I have yellow is for any phone calls. So that says to me, when I see this on there, I need to be somewhere quiet. You know, I need to be somewhere where I can use my phone. I have service. I use another color orange for anything that's video. So that would be like you talked about your categories. That would be, this podcast recording, that would be a webinar, that would be a a video call that I might have, because that says to me, this is an event where I need to have my laptop, I need to have internet, I need to be in a place where I can have a quiet video call. And then I use Pink for any in-person meetings. So just to know, like, I've got to go somewhere for this thing, it's at a separate location. And then I use green for any travel. So that doesn't matter whether I'm getting on the subway here in the city or I'm going to the airport or I'm at the airport on a flight. I use it for my hotel accommodations. But one of the things that's really important to me is I think when we manage our calendars, a lot of us forget to book things that actually take us time. And it gives us this misconception about how much space is on our calendar. Mm -hmm. So if I know that I need to go to the airport for my flight is at 1 o'clock, I know that I need to be there two hours before. So I'm going to block that time as airport. And I know that it's going to take me 30 minutes to get there in a taxi. So I'm going to block 30 minutes as taxi before that or vehicle, for example. So I, you know, same thing, same thing. If I'm going to a meeting, you know, in the city, I know I need 30 minutes on the subway. I'm putting that on my calendar because otherwise it starts to get messy. Things start to overlap. So that's what I would call zero based calendar for other folks are, major experts on this, but making sure you're actually blocking off all the time you need to do things, even if they're boring things like taking the subway or getting in a taxi or eating breakfast or taking a shower, like those things take up time.
0: Yeah, I know. I, I do the same thing, especially like in my morning, Monday, Wednesday, Friday, I go work out at the gym. So that's blocked out. But then I get back and it's all the uh, calendar all my cal- is eat breakfast and take a shower. And you're basically like, again, those things take time, but just allocating time for that. So I, you know, I, I can't schedule anything for those times. Now, do you do all of this within Google Calendar? Do you do what tools do you use for that?
1: I love Google Calendar. I think, you know, being candid, I'm not willing to die on the hill that it's the best calendar that's ever lived. Sure, it's just sure. the one that I've been using the longest, I'm most comfortable with, and it's already hooked up to everything. So the switch yeah. cost is pretty high. But I, I love Google Calendar. I use the app. I do not use the built-in iPhone or Mac, like, calendar thing. I don't I don't like it at all. It drives me crazy. So I just use the Google Calendar app. But I also use a couple other cool tools. So there's a tool called MixMax, which is an email plugin. Have you seen this? I, you haven't, I haven't
0: heard of it, huh?
1: So it's a paid tool, but what it does is it inserts availabilities. So it's hooked up to my Google calendar. So when someone emails me and says, hey, do you have 30 minutes to chat later this week? I can click the button, insert, I can see on my calendar, when do I have 30 minutes available and insert you know all the available options. If they get that email and click one of those options, it automatically sends a calendar invite for 30 minutes to the two of us and puts it on the calendar. Nice. So that saves me a lot of that like horrible back and forth. <laughs> how about this day? How about this time? Right. That's a tool that I, I love and I've, I've hooked that up to my Google Calendar.
0: What when, about you?
1: Are you? Level up Google Calendar with tools?
0: We use Google Calendar, but we also use it kind of in conjunction with Apple, which I guess we could probably cut that out, uh, like a, a iCal or Apple Calendar, whatever it is now. So we use that on my computer, but then also on my phone, just use the standard app. And then it's just pulling in, pulling in the Google the- Calendar data. So so I guess hypothetically we could cut out the middleman of Apple and just use the actual Google Calendar app. But that's yeah, that's what that's what we do. The other thing that we do, kind of similar to what you described there with Mixed Match, is that we use acuity and we use acuity for some stuff and then schedule once for some stuff. So that's one thing that we use with when it comes to scheduling podcast interviews, is we try to batch those and we try to do multiple of those on the same day and record those on the same day. And so, again, rather than going back with a back and forth song and dance, is sending a link of hey, here's the dates that we're recording, which days and times are you available for those? So that that definitely makes it a lot simpler as well.
1: And do you have any rules about your calendar, like you know that you only work at a certain time, so you're blocking off evenings for family time? I know that's one of the things that. I don't think we talk about enough necessarily. Is like, obviously, you got to book meetings and interviews and podcasts and travel, but All you got to book some time for yourself too. And if you don't protect that, I don't think the system's going to override and fill all those blocks.
0: Yeah. One of the downsides with being self-employed is you can work anywhere and anytime. And yes, like that is a perk, but that's also a downside because it's really easy to be like, ah, it's Monday morning. Let's see what's on prices right this week. You know? And it's like, you can just check out and you get to the end of the week and be like, I didn't do anything, you know? And so I think one of the disciplines you have to get into is you have to treat it like a job. You know, you have to treat it like I personally, I, I work from home. I'm in my home office by, you know, usually seven 30, latest at eight o'clock and I get to work. And so, um, my wife and my daughter, we homeschool our girls. Um, my wife does 99% of it. So we're all here all the time. And so my wife has told me numerous times and told our girls, like, you have to pretend like daddy's not here, you know? And there's times where they come in and they interrupt and that's, you know, there's times where that's fine, but they know like at this moment, you know, daddy's doing some recording stuff. And so we can't hang out, you know, but being disciplined enough that, I have to get work done. So yeah, I typically will work till usually four or five, depending on the, the day and depending on what we have going on. Usually what I, I find that the beginning of the week is busier and it's just kind of trickles somewhat down from there. Uh, one of the things that we do that we could probably get into on another episode is I'm really disciplined. on what are the big three things I need to get done each week and making sure that I get to those things. And then a lot of times on Friday, I'll either take Friday off or take like a half day on Friday to hang out with the family or goof off or just kind of some miscellaneous things to to catch up on. So, but yeah, again, just like treating it like, I have to be here from this time to this time. And it's, um, I I can't just take like a three hour lunch every day and then take a nap and then go to the pool just for the heck of it. Like there's stuff that has to get done, you know? So being disciplined enough to do that.
1: Yeah, and, and making whatever that schedule is for you, like making sure that your systems and all of the things that you have in place complement that. Totally. So if you're using some sort of system to to allow people to book time on your calendar, make sure that you've blocked off those times that are for you and your family or that you're gonna be at the gym. I think the zero based calendar, you know, putting on all those things yep. that even if they aren't meetings and calls really helps with that and, and helps make that system and the wonderful thing about systems, which we haven't even touched on but is so important, is that These systems are the key to scaling your business. Totally. Cannot scale a business when everything is just in your head, right? Like if you're going to have a virtual assistant or team members or someone who's going to be working with your expenses and your clients and your calendar and your travel, then you've got to have a system in place to make sure that everyone's on the same page. So, you know, whether it's your outreach, contracts, invoice, calendar, travel, expenses, all that stuff. Having a system is going to save you sanity, save your sanity, and it's going to help your team uh, stay on the same page as you too have
0: systems in place sip that way uh whenever you're sipping that hot coffee it's not burning you so great thoughts here melanie and again as always if people if you have other thoughts or ideas or things that you would like us to discuss on the podcast please don't hesitate to reach out let us know you can email in uh, support at the speaker support at the we'd love to hear from you and love to know what things you'd like us to discuss other guests that you'd like us to interview anything that we can do to help serve and support you here at the speaker lab sound good
1: Sounds
0: good. All right. We'll catch you next time. All right. There you go. Hope you enjoyed that conversation between myself and Melanie. And uh, always good to have Melanie join us once again. She will be joining us as a co-host in another couple of weeks. We try to do these episodes just kind of in batches. So if you have topics or things that you would like to hear us discuss on a future episode, please feel free to reach out. Let us know. We would love to hear from you. Hey, once again, if you haven't already, definitely want to stop by myspeakerfee.com. Again, that is myspeakerfee.com. If you're someone who's going, I have no idea how much I should be charging as a speaker, then uh, definitely stop by, check that out. We're going to, it's just a a free calculator where you can answer a couple questions and it'll tell you exactly what you should be charging as a speaker. All right. So definitely check that out over at myspeakerfee.com. All right, my friends, that wraps up episode 187. We'll catch you next time. You're awesome.